and welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm Sandra Lindsay. Pregnancy is like a stress test on the body. Most women adapt just fine, but for some, the strain can dramatically raise the risk of heart disease, which continues to be the number one cause of maternal mortality in the U.S. Addressing the risk factors based on gender has become an important strategy to reduce this toll, which is why our guest today, Dr. Evelina Graver, has turned her attention to a new field of medicine called cardioobstetrics, which brings together a team of specialists in cardiology, obstetrics, and maternal fetal medicine to care for expecting mothers. Dr. Graver is Director of Northwell Health's Women's Heart Program for the Central Region and helped launch Northwell's Cardio Obstetrics Program in 2020. She joins us today to explain how this program came to be and how it is helping detect and prevent heart issues before, during, and after pregnancy. Here is my conversation with Dr. Evelina Graver. All right. Well, such a pleasure again to meet you. And thanks for joining us today on 20 Minute Health Talk. Thank you. Earlier this year, I had Dr. Stacey Rosen on the podcast during Heart Month. And as you know, um, Dr. Graver, she's the president of the Katz Institute for Women's Health here at Northwell. And one of the things that um, fascinated me that she mentioned, and I wanted to delve deeper into it, is heart disease and pregnancy. Right. How one affects the other or vice versa. I know. I know. It's, it's very interesting, right? Um, so we're not used to recognizing the fact that heart disease can be in women. We're not used to, the, to think the fact that heart disease can affect the young and now you're taking a combination of a young woman who's not even thinking of having any cardiac issues at all, who is either thinking of getting pregnant or is pregnant and develops cardiac complications. Pregnancy really is like a stress test on the body, on a woman's body, based upon all of the hemodynamics that take place, right? Your heart rate significantly increases because of the fact that your heart goes from pumping usually four to five liters of blood per minute to about 8 to 10 liters of blood per minute. So that's a significant strain on the heart, right? So in med school, we were taught a lot of really sort of clear-cut um, evaluation in reference to a woman that does have congenital heart disease and gets to the point where she's in her reproductive years and wants to become a mom. And subsequently, we know the fact that there is a potential risk of maintaining a pregnancy with certain of that congenital component. However, the one thing, so we kind of knew it as a sort of a one-way street relationship, but we never understood the fact that, that it's actually a two-way relationship, meaning because of that component of a stress on the body and on the heart during the time of the pregnancy, a lot of women develop what's called adverse pregnancy outcomes. And adverse pregnancy outcomes are known as sort of preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure during the time of the actual um, delivery and other complications of it. Uh, or spontaneous preterm delivery before the week of 32, 
for intrauterine growth restriction, where the baby's a little is definitely smaller than its expected size. The old school mentality was that it happens. The woman delivers, the baby's good, the mom is good. You know, we maintain the blood pressure well controlled within the first week or so, and then it's forgotten. We now know that that's not the case. We now know the fact that those women that have those adverse pregnancy outcomes, the preeclampsia, the spontaneous preterm delivery, the intrauterine growth restriction, they are at significant risk for lifelong cardiovascular disease. So whereas we know the fact that there are certain classical risk factors, right? There's the diabetes, there's the hypertension, which is the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, smoking, obesity. We know those are sort of the classic risk factors for the heart. But now these adverse pregnancy outcomes is, have finally made it into what's called novel gender-specific cardiovascular risk factors, where we know the fact that these women have to be clearly monitored very closely during the first six to 12 months after delivery, because that's when we see the most complications. That's when we see certain heart attacks. That's when we see strokes for those a lot of those young women. So really, who is at risk? Mm-hmm. Everyone. So there's not so there's certain women that are at higher risk, um, certain races such as African American women, such as women of Hispanic descent, they are at higher risk. Women that have predisposing conditions such as baseline hypertension, baseline diabetes, those that have other risk factors that I mentioned that are considered classic risk factors. So obviously those women that are going into the pregnancy with those risk factors are at higher risk of developing the adverse pregnancy outcomes. And we see a lot more of them now because a lot of women tend to get pregnant a little bit later in life. Uh, Women prioritize career at a certain period of time, but even those that do not, even the younger ones that are in their early 20s, mid 20s, are still at risk. And we don't know why. And this is where the research in the field is so, so important at this period of time because we don't know what happens. Is it the fact that, you know, what comes first? Is it the chicken or the egg, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. So is it the fact that the pregnancy, because of its being sort of like a stress test on the body, unveils certain things? Or is it that the actual preclamp or the actual placenta releases something and there's issues with the actual vasculature of the placenta that increases the woman's risk? This is where the research is. This is why this is such a highly rapidly developing field right now and because we don't know enough and we need the research. And Dr. Rosen shared that as well, just in women and heart disease in general, she kept stressing the importance of, of research. Yes. And it's kind of scary because up to six months after delivery, you mentioned, and Oftentimes, you know, women believe that you deliver and you're good. And a lot of the symptoms that you mentioned, you know, could be justified by other things, right? Shortness of breath or feeling fatigued. You just have a a new baby and you're not sleeping. So um, I would say perhaps women would delay coming into the hospital because they think these symptoms are related to other things. Very much so. And to be honest with you, a lot of it is very cultural and there's a little bit of a bias right even even before delivering during the time of the pregnancy right for some reason it appears the fact that when a woman is pregnant being short of breath has become a normal right having significantly swollen feet is a norm and you know when they come to me 
with those swollen feet and the swollen hands and the significant shortness of breath, I always tell them we have to rule out all other possibilities, including cardiomyopathies, including gestational hypertension, including everything else that can actually fall into before we actually say that this is pregnancy-related, right? And unfortunately, I do end up catching anywhere between 5 to 10% of those women that do come in with pregnancy, normal, short of breath, that's actually just not pregnancy-induced. So I just want to clarify for our listeners. Yes. Swollen hands, swollen feet, yes. shortness of breath. Yes. When you're pregnant, it it's not a pregnancy symptom that you should be comfortable with. Correct. Correct. Uh, again, there are certain normals that come across. However, those symptoms have to be evaluated. And it's not even to, you know, to be stricken in panic of any kind, but to be able to see a cardiologist, to get a baseline EKG, to get a baseline echocardiogram and uh, an ultrasound of your heart, to assess, to make sure the fact that you don't have any significant cardiomyopathy or weakening in the heart muscle or valvular disease. Because unfortunately, one of the things that pregnancy does unveil as well is valvular disease, disease of the valves, uh, that potentially a young woman would never really know about because they may not have seen a physician uh, besides there may be their pediatrician or something of that nature. And maybe someone sometime mentioned that they might have had a murmur, but they didn't pay attention much to it. So once again, exactly like you said, delaying care and thinking the fact that certain symptoms, such as the shortness of breath, such as the swollen hands and feet and face, is considered to be normal pregnancy. It's not normal pregnancy until you've ruled out all the other possibilities. Yes. I served as the director of critical care at Long Island Jewish Medical Center recently. And I remember seeing women postpartum yes. coming in with cardiomyopathy yes. just out of nowhere. Yep. So peripartum cardiomyopathy. Uh, and it's actually very interesting that you say that I actually, I'm rounding this week in the CCU at mm -hmm. North Shore. And I actually have a postpartum woman there with uh, uh, a significant complication with peripartum cardiomyopathy. So peripartum cardiomyopathy or the weakening of the heart muscle can take place anywhere between two to four weeks before the delivery and even up to six months after the delivery. It's um, one of those things that's kind of 30-30-30. 30% stay the same, 30% actually unfortunately get weaker, and 30% do get better. Um, we need to monitor those women incredibly closely, like you mentioned in the cardiac intensive care unit, to make sure the fact that they don't decompensate, to get them on the appropriate medical therapy. But it's sometimes very hard, right? Because you have a young mom who just gave birth or is about to give birth, and she's in the height of her happiness, as they say. Mm -hmm. She's about to become a mom, and she's going to have a lot of responsibility on her hands. And this is where a lot of women get into trouble because of they will prioritize that baby, right? And unfortunately, they will not prioritize themselves and all of their ailments. So we know, um, Dr. Graver, that about 80% of cardiac disease is preventable. How can we prevent heart-related problems during pregnancy? So the first thing is to make sure that you are in the best cardiovascular shape before getting pregnant. Okay? And how do we do that? That is with constant, um, I don't like to say diet, 
because people think when people died, it's like a, a two to four week <laughs> sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking about more of a lifestyle modification and being able to maintain a healthy diet, which you and I can discuss for hours as to what that actually means, and continuous exercise, where you're exercising at least 30 minutes a day, at least five days out of the week, okay? And maintaining your ideal weight. That's number one. I think the other component is never be concerned about getting what's called preconception counseling, okay? Meaning, if someone ever told you the fact that there is a genetic predisposition for heart disease in your family, if somebody has ever told you the fact that maybe you did have an abnormal EKG or an abnormal physical exam consistent with a murmur, before getting pregnant, go see a cardiologist. I think that's also quite important to do. We want to make sure the fact that all of those classic risk factors that we spoke about for heart disease, such as the diabetes, the cholesterol, the hypertension, the smoking, the obesity, all of it is controlled, that that you don't smoke or vape, because vaping right now is even more prevalent within the young than smoking. Um, And then if you do have genetic predisposition, because that's the other 20%, right? So 80% is preventable, 20% is genetic. And we cannot run away from our genetics. We cannot run away from our age, even though I try every day. <laughs> but, uh, and we cannot run away from sort of our genetic cultural background, right? But if you know that, if you know that, then getting that early preventative evaluation is key. So there's a lot of women that come to see me with preconception counseling, women that have um, congenital disease, that are on certain medications that are not, um, as I like to call them, pregnancy-friendly, right? So we do have to change the management uh, in reference to those medications, right, uh, that are more consistent with medications that are safe for both the mom and the baby. And thank God we have plenty of options at this period of time. For those women that actually develop any of one of those adverse pregnancy outcomes, such as preeclampsia or anything else, we have options that are, again, safe for the mommy and safe for the baby during the time of the pregnancy and then during the time of, of lactation, breastfeeding, that are safe for both. I'm sure you'd love to see the preconception um, yes. numbers go up. Significantly. For people to come in before they actually run into trouble. Yes, yes. Um, and, and And it's interesting because the one thing that I learned in this program, I myself, is that once a woman makes it a goal, to get pregnant, God help anyone that stands in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, but the the key really is, is to understand that the fact that pregnancy is really not as glamorous as some of the magazines make it. And women can get in trouble and women do develop symptoms that they completely brush off. So yes, I would love to see those preconception numbers to go significantly up higher. Awesome. So we have here at Northwell... Uh, Cardio obstetrics program. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So cardio obstetrics program, and I know it's going to sound funny, but that really is kind of my baby, really. <laughs> uh, being a Yes. The point of the program is for there to be a seamless, efficient way that OBGYN can immediately refer their patients post-delivery uh, with preeclampsia or any other, other uh, adverse pregnancy outcomes or, or if those uh, OBGYN feel that their 
patient actually needs to have preconception counseling because of the fact that they've had either cardiac surgery in the past as a child because they were born with congenital heart disease or developed something within their teenage years or their early 20s and they need to be seen. So that is sort of a very seamless, efficient way for patients to kind of cross over easily without OBGYN having to scramble which cardiologist are they going to see or not. And the other component of it is the fact that we have now chosen cardiologists that are sort of became experts in the field, meaning that they've shown so much interest in it. They've done extra legwork really to kind of um, understand the pathology, pathophysiology as to what happens during the time of the pregnancy, how do certain drugs affect that we've created a certain group of cardiologists and a certain group of OBGYN that really have that seamless transaction between their patients. It's a very, very unique uh, program. It's one of the few in the nation, but one of the most rapidly growing. Um, when did the program begin, the cardioobstetrics program? And what are your goals for the program? So cardioobstetrics program uh, officially started in September of 2020. 2020. <laughs> September of 2020. And um, so was that after which wave? It was, after, it was after one of the original waves. So what happened was that um, my interest in Women's Heart Program started to grow um, early on in my fellowship. Um, and that's when Dr. Rosen took me on as, uh, as a mentee. And um, I realized then subsequently when I was in charge of the cardiac intensive care unit, the CCU, there were too many women in my unit that did not carry the typical risk factors that I was taught in regarding to cardiovascular disease. And that's where Dr. Rosen and I started really thinking about the importance of the Women's Heart Program. And uh, after the original wave of COVID, when I uh, served and I uh, ran the COVID unit, I came out of the COVID land, realizing the fact that I really wanted to do something more for longevity. And that's where CardioB was born. It's for the entire health system. I'm in charge of the central region, which is the North Shore LIJ and Cats Women's Institute. On the east end, we have uh, Dr. Cachibato and Dr. Eugenia Gianos on the western end. And it's a full thickness program, meaning the fact that we're not only seeing patients as an outpatient, but we also see inpatient consultations as well when those women come in or other cardiac complications occur that needs to be urgently evaluated and potentially even monitored in the cardiac intensive care unit. And I want to make a difference in reference to number one, the maternal mortality, which is really horrible in the United States. Uh, and since cardiovascular disease is the number one reason why the mortality of uh, pregnant women or postpartum women is the highest, I really take it incredibly personally for me to make a little bit of amend in that atrocious number. Wow. Your passion is just palpable and I thank you for your service. The one thing that has gotten me personally through that post-COVID burnout is finding that passion, is finding the fact that I'm actually able to find something that I genuinely enjoy and bring in as much as, as possible of these women that I know if I, if I can implement all of the necessary uh, changes will make a monstrous change in their life. For cardiac disease in general, 
um, women, black women, are three to four times more likely to develop cardiovascular disease than other ethnicities. Yes. Is that the same for... Um, Cardioobstetrics? Cardioobstetrics. Yes. Yes. African-American women are anywhere between actually four to six percent higher to actually develop uh, adverse pregnancy outcomes and preeclampsia and gestational hypertension and gestational diabetes being the highest ones. Um, and these are women that, again, did not have or did not know that they had any predisposing conditions. And it's not women that are, you know, at a higher BMI level or greater obesity, n not at all. It's a matter that, again, part of research that we definitely need to do is understanding the vasculature, the vasculature difference between an African-American woman and other uh, ethnicities. Very well. Well, this has been an interesting conversation, Dr. Graver. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. It's uh, great to be able to share it. You know, if there are listeners out there that have questions, that not sure about something, you can always find us on the Cats Women's Institute. Um, all you have to look up is cardioobstetrics at Northwell uh, Health, and you will be able to find us. Get more expert insight from the leading voices in healthcare today. You can subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk wherever podcasts are available.